Welcome to the Man Up Podcast. I'm Winston Wolf. I solve problems. A spiritual oasis for men. We're not pastors, just regular guys. Put that coffee down. Coffee's for closers only. So, for the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men, this is Man Up. Welcome, everybody. This is the Man Up Podcast. Podcast number what? You guys did 74. This is what? 75? Yeah. And we're glad you're here. And where is here? Here is Sugarland, Texas. <clears throat> so what you do is you take a globe, spin it around, put your finger down. With a little bit of luck, you'll find Texas. Go to the southeast corner of Texas, you'll find Houston. On the southwest side of Houston is Sugarland, and that is where we're coming from. The Man Up Spiritual Oasis for Men studio at Sugarland Baptist Church. What we do here, we're not pastors, we're just regular guys. We're going through the spiritual journey and enlightenment for ourselves, and we want you to come along as well. We are on iTunes, you might have found us on SoundCloud, Facebook, or YouTube, wherever you found us. We are so glad you have. <clears throat> My name is Bill Cox. I have a great panel here. Just want to introduce them real quick. And we have Mr. Steve Titch. He's a policy writer. He's also a professional gambler. We also have Michael Cropper. He's an attorney, but he's also a prosecutor. We call him the judge. And my name is Bill Cox. I'm kind of a sales guy, but I'm a writer and actor. <clears throat> and I am the host, and as a matter of fact, I'm the director of the Man Up <clears throat> Adult Bible Fellowship here in Sugarland. So if you're ever in our area, please don't hesitate to stop in. Be a part of us live. We'd love to have you. We are in the Connect 360 study. It's Rescue and Redemption. This is lesson number eight. This is God Rescues a Faithful Follower. And because this is, this is oriented to men, and I know there's some women out there that listen to this, but what I want to do is I want to go around and I want to let each of the fellas give a little summary of this lesson and then what we'll do is we'll go ahead and read the scripture and have additional discussion. And with that, I'm going to start out by introducing Mr. Steve Titch. Well, this is a very timely lesson, a very timely study. This is Daniel chapter 6, the story of Daniel and the den of lions and what leads up to that. But really what it is, is a conflict between Daniel's private practice of his religion and his place in the, in, in the public life of Babylonia. Excellent. That's my summary. Oh, it is. Yeah, it absolutely yeah. is. Yeah. Mr. Mike. Yeah, thank you, uh, Bill. Uh, folks, we are, we're looking at a, uh, another look at the Israel ex Israelite exile in Babylon uh, as presented from Daniel. Uh, folks, this is, again, a, a little picture of... Uh, God's choosing Israelites, his chosen people, and then telling them to worship him and not to worship anybody else, not to do idols, not to do anything else. And they refuse to do that over a period of time through kings that start off, you remember King Saul, the first king, and then uh, uh, King David, who worshiped 
God and then uh, his son Solomon who did for a while and did not. Anyway, uh, the point being that God tells them to stop worshiping idols, to stop prostituting themselves, and, and he will judge them eventually. And I guess, I don't know if they don't believe him or what, but they're, they keep doing the same thing over and over through a number of kings, and then eventually God does judge them. And he uses the country of Babylon to judge them. And he says, I'm going to come to your country, and I'm going to tear you down. I'm going to take down your temple. I'm going to tear down the city of Israel, uh, pardon me, Jerusalem, destroy the temple and remove all the holy things that have been dedicated to me in that temple. And then he then finally tells him, he says, if you go to Babylon and you remove to Babylon, he says, I'll protect you. If you stay there and fight Nebuchadnezzar after they come into your city, or you try to one away, I will not protect you. And many people died that did that. So uh, the people that go into Babylon includes Daniel. He's one of the first ones that goes into Babylon. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who is the king of Babylon, he doesn't realize it, but God uses him to judge Israel. And you see this through Daniel. If you read the book of Daniel, we're only looking at one part of it, chapter 6, as Steve said. Uh, God sends Babylon to judge Israel, and then he tells all his pardon me, he tells the first people in his army to bring back the young men who are bright intelligent, of royalty, of high standards, bring them back first. And he's going to use those people to be his advisors and possibly administrators over the, over the people of Israel when he leaves them alone. Now, remember this, Nebuchadnezzar is a great king. He's conquered Assyria. He's conquered Egypt. Now he's conquered Israel. And there's no telling how many other countries he's conquered too. So he's pretty, pretty way up there in his own mind and head. And uh, anyway, Daniel is one of those that is first brought back. And, and, and we know that there are other books of the Bible that reflect and talk about this exile, including Ezra, Nehemiah, right, Esther, and also Jeremiah and Lamentations. They all deal with this, this period of time in which they're exiled in Babylon, which uh, Jeremiah specifically says it's going to be 70 years. So what we're going to do is look at, at, at the time this story takes place, folks, and, and, and the fact is everybody knows the story. I don't care which church you grew up in or which you went to, you probably heard the story of Daniel in the lion's den, as, as Steve mentioned. And, and uh, by the time we take place in this story, he's about 80 years old. This is about the end of the 70-year period. Yes, da Daniel right. pretty much, he's one of the few who lives through the... Yes. Almost the entire exile. He, yeah, yeah, he goes yeah. early with the with the first group, and he's and and he sees and and, and Babylon. The, re, the reason the reason that seventy years end is because Babylon falls. They're conquered by the Persians, and I think that's what's already begun to happen. I think Darius in this story is a Persian king. Yes, so, he's a new king. Yes. In fact, uh, fact, folks, just before this story begins, at the end of chapter five, the very last verse in chapter five. Nebuchadnezzar's son has taken the king. We don't know what happened to Nebuchadnezzar, but his son becomes king. And then he gets assassinated night in about the second verse before this chapter, chapter 6 and verse five, uh, chapter 5. And then Darius the king takes over, and he's 62 years of age, so he's not a... Uh, a Darius, young man. Darius is. Darius. Yeah. Darius. Did I say, right. so get my apologies. Mm -hmm. Darius. Yeah, Darius is a new king. So... What we do is, and, and I'm sure Bill will read the 
the scriptures to us. And if folks, get out your Bible if you would and turn to Daniel 6 because it's very interesting what we'll see here is Darius introduces how he's going to start watching over his kingdom. And Daniel is a big part of that. Absolutely. And with that, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to read. This is Daniel 6. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps, which is essentially governors, stations throughout the whole kingdom, and over them three presidents, including Daniel. To these the satraps gave account, so that the king might suffer no loss. Soon Daniel distinguished himself above all the other presidents and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king planned to appoint him over the whole kingdom. So the presidents and the satraps tried to find grounds for a complaint against Daniel in connection with the kingdom, but they could find no grounds for complaint or any corruption because he was faithful and no negligence or corruption could be found in him. The men said, We shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his God. So the presidents of the satraps conspired and came to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an interdict that whoever prays to anyone, divine or human, for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions. Now, O king, establish an interdict and sign the document so that it cannot be changed according to the law of Metis and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and interdict. Although Daniel knew the the document had been signed, he continued to go to his house, which had windows in the upper room, open towards Jerusalem, get down on his knees three times a day to pray to his God and praise him, just as he had done previously. The conspirators came and found Daniel praying and seeking mercy before his God. Then they approached the king and said concerning the interdict, O king, did you not sign an interdict that anyone who prays to anyone, divine or human, within 30 days except to you, O king, shall be thrown into a den of lions? The king answered, The thing stands fast according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be revoked. Then they responded to the king, Daniel, one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, O king, or to the interdict you signed. But he is saying his prayers three times a day. When the king heard the charge, he was very much distressed. He was determined to save Daniel, and until the sun went down, he made every effort to rescue him. Then conspirators came to the king and said to him, No, O king, that is the law of the Medes and Persians that no interdict or ordinance that the king has established can be changed. Then the king gave the command, and Daniel was brought and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you faithfully serve, deliver you. A stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, so that nothing could be changed concerning Daniel. Then the king went to his palace and sent the night fasting. No food was brought to him, and sleep fled from him. Then at daybreak, The king got up, hurried to the den of lions. When he came near the den where Daniel was, he cried out anxiously to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you faithfully serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Daniel then said to the king, 
O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouth so that they would not hurt me, because I was found blameless before him and also before you. O king, I have done no wrong. Then the king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of... So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king gave a command, and those who had accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the den of lions, they, their children, and their wives. Before they reached the bottom of the den, the lions overpowered them, broke all their bones in pieces. Then King Darius wrote to all peoples and nations of every language throughout the whole world, May you have abundant prosperity. I make a decree that in all my royal dominion, people should tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. For he has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I think it was Steve that said earlier that Daniel was 80 years old. Or no, it's Mike okay. It's okay. Or Mike. Well, but, here, but here's, the, here's yeah. the point. And I think a lot of this has to go with commitment. Yes. He was committed to his God. And by the time you're 80 years old, he decided that he will take whatever punishment is necessary because his God is his God for life. Well, he, he saw the three Israel friends thrown into the fiery furnace at an earlier date. Right. We don't know where he was, but he saw them, so he knows God is with him. I don't even think he, it even crossed his mind, like you say. I don't think it, it ever occurred to him when that law was passed that you're going to be thrown to the lion's den if you don't worship uh, Darius the king, never crossed his mind was going to Well, I think this is so important. Like uh, in, in today's climate, you think about it, the little tattletales. Uh, Daniel was not a minor player in this story. He was essentially a governor and a tax collector also. And it, it was it was a power struggle from the people who didn't wanted to take him out, and so they tricked the king in order to get Daniel thrown to the lion's den. But he, I don't read in here where he ever had any kind of animosity. Uh, it, it was a it was a power struggle. Exactly. It was a, absolutely power struggle. It was jealousy. There was it was how are we how are we gonna you know 
a bunch of us are going nowhere, and Daniel's going to get promoted. How do we deal with this? Yeah, yeah. Well, let's <laughs> let's right, let's right. figure out a way to get him out of the picture. Right. And they rather they they and they actually somehow even though the king well, the himself says they, they kind of do is his thing. religion, right? Yes. And they the use remember, he does. and he's the other guy. He's also hey, you know. Yeah. They even say it. Don't but they he's say the straight it? arrow. The guy from he's Judah Jew. is there. That's right. He's, <laughs> he's the straight arrow, though. Yeah. They found no fault. With him, yeah. there was no fault with Daniel. That's that's the other thing too. That's kind of it's really isn't in here, but you can certainly imply it. That gee, we'd be doing a lot more, you know, getting our beaks wet a lot more if we didn't have Daniel up there counting every penny and making us account for everything down, yeah, whatever to the yeah. end to the end, yeah, yeah. whatever they used us. Um, he this. You know, you probably, they probably were just like our culture. Uh, you know, you always put a little extra in for your expenses. You do this, you do that, you cut a few corners. And Daniel seems to be the type of guy who would have none of that. Right. And, you know, he's ruining everybody's fun. Integrity. <laughs> Integrity <laughs> seems like yeah. it was the watchword for Daniel. And the other ones just couldn't sway him. They, I, yeah. I, 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 and this is just speculation, but I would bet that he had plenty of interactions with the other people that were at his level, yeah. and he just didn't fit in. I, I don't think they were drinking buddies. If they either, mm-hmm. <laughs> I certainly think they tried to right. socialize with him, right? right. But he was so strict. And also, you have this knowledge that God sent you there. Obviously, Daniel knew. They were in exile. They were going to be there for 70 years. He believed that. And it's coming to the time when they're going to leave. He doesn't want to cross the line at this point in his life. He's, uh, he's very knowledgeable. I'm guessing he was a Pharisee, much like Paul. Just because at the first of, uh, if you go to Daniel 1 and look, it says... He and the Hebrew boys, other three Hebrew boys, didn't want to defile themselves by eating the king's meat. Mm-hmm. And we see that statement made by Simon Peter, also by Christ himself, I think, and mostly by Paul saying that uh, I didn't want to defile myself by eating certain foods and certain things. So I'm guessing he was a strong, strong Pharisee believer. In his, and the Pharisees are very strong in their discipline. Just like mm-hmm. you said, I mean, they're going to do the same thing every day no matter what, right? And they're going to pray at the same time, they're going to fast mm-hmm. at the same time, and they're going to eat the, the right foods. And, they, and this was right off in the first, first chapter of Daniel that they refused to eat the king's food, and they took vegetables and drank water along with the, uh, the, the mm-hmm. well, for the food that they took. So, um What's interesting in this story, though, and, and, and I think what you're saying makes a lot of sense from what we've seen about Daniel in the earlier chapters. Um, however, he's not, he doesn't irritate people for his faith directly. He's not... He's not in your he's face. Not in your face. He's not proselytizing. He's that. practicing his, his faith. And he, now, he, it's what it sounds like. He, does, he lives out his faith at work. He follows. He's a loyal employer. He does not, you know, he he gives, <laughs> to move ahead, he gives to Darius what is Darius, he gave to Nebuchadnezzar what is Nebuchadnezzar's, he reserved for God what was God's. And, and he followed what we saw last week with Jeremiah. Jeremiah said, 
you know, put down your roots there. You're going to live there for a while. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. He was part of the the court the the. The king's council there. He was he was close to the court. Mm-hmm. However, he maintained this distance, and that ends up they, his his foes, his enemies, end up using that against him in a in a you know in a, in a very ginned up way. It is a ginned up way. We're going to make a law that makes what you do. You know, there's no. I mean, today would be ex post facto law. I mean, where, but yes, yes, yes. going to make we know we know he we know we know Daniel does this. Yeah. Every day he prays. So let's make praying illegal. Illegal, right? <laughs> of course. Right. And, and then let's arrest him and have him. And I mean, that's. Right. But uh, that's. that's um, but and and to his, you know, and he might it might be because of his age, but his credit, he says, I I have I answer to a higher authority here. Right. But it, it's sad because Darius here, mm-hmm. that went right over his head. Mm-hmm. He liked Daniel. He was going to promote him. He wasn't just great. Mm-hmm. Daniel was great, great, and, and Darius was going to promote him. And here these guys came up with a deceitful method mm-hmm. by trapping Daniel, but didn't know this until they bring it to his attention that he refused right. to pray. And you know right mm-hmm. then, it, it, I mean, it must have just lit up all on his face. Oh, no. Right. Do you, do you think the, the, the harshness, I mean, we got the harshness of his penalty, he throws these conspirators and their families to the lions. Do you think that's a reaction to his, you know, he got played? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Not only am I going to destroy you, I'm going to destroy your whole family. I'm exterminating your Mm -hmm. line. That's right. That's exactly Mm -hmm. what he did. Right. And, And the thing about it is, think about Darius. He, in order to keep order... Uh, in the kingdom, those rules had to be followed. That's the way it was. He couldn't violate something, even if he got played to sign it. He, Darius could not not obey what he had ordained. But it distressed him about Daniel, no, and you and you read that where he fasted and he hurriedly went up. And Daniel uh, it says in here, O king, live forever. <laughs> and so it goes to show that Daniel had a good relationship with Darius. Yes. They had a mutual respect relationship. And I think Daniel understood what had happened accepted it and would have accepted it regardless yes okay but god delivered him and gave darius the opportunity to for the retribution well let's go back to your statement darius prays a short prayer to him as he goes and he says may god whom you faithfully serve deliver you so he prays now i think Darius, as we will see, believes in Jehovah, believes in, in Yahweh, but he also believes in his own God. There's some indication here through the scriptures that he, he in fact, worshipped, uh, he later worshipped Jehovah, but, but he, uh, he also worked, worshipped his God and did, didn't distinguish the two until after this occurred with Daniel. Uh, and the king, like you said, the king went to his palace and he spent the night fasting. Well, you fast when you pray and you're petitioning your God. Now, again, we don't know if it's Jehovah or his own little God, little mm-hmm. G, 
but we know that his heart was totally stressed, like you said, such to the point he didn't sleep one wink. And then when he addressed Daniel in the morning, he didn't say, Daniel, are you hurt? He says, was your God able to deliver you? This, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. We are going to continue on with discussion. We're up against a hard break. And we're going to go into how do you bring a good man down, and there couldn't be a more appropriate topic for this time. So we'll be right back. You are listening to the Man Up Podcast, spiritual oasis for men. Just like any muscle, we feel the faith muscle must be exercised. And here we do it real authentic, the Man Up way. Not pastors, just regular guys, each on a unique spiritual journey. Thanks for joining us. Deep questions and discussions you won't hear anywhere else, especially in today's climate. Missed an episode? They are archived. Free for you to select on SoundCloud. We come to you from the Man Up Studios at Sugarland Baptist Church, Sugarland, Houston, Texas, in the United States. Have a question or comment or want to book a speaker or group and have Man Up come to you? Contact us on our Facebook page, Gigmasters or WMA Cox at Comcast.net. And now, back to fellows of Man Up. And welcome back. This is the Man Up Podcast, podcast number 75. We are talking about Daniel 6, where God rescues a faithful follower. And Mr. Steve. Uh, Just to finish what what Mike was saying about about Darius, he's kind of the uninvolved observer in in many ways. He's, He's the guy, he he probably doesn't give much stock in anything. He probably may do lip service to his God, and he sees this happen, and it's just he gets distressed, and he actually really takes an interest, is Daniel's God going to come through with this? Yes. He's, I mean, he sees, he sees the grace with which Daniel handles this, and he wonders. He's, he's really, he, he, he's so, so taken by this that he, you know, the first, first light, he's down there, and he wants to go see. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not throwing up his hands and saying, well, let's see what happens. He's really hoping to find yes. Daniel alive. Yes. And yeah. that, that's an interesting experience he has, because as you said, it, 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 may, uh, it may influence the way things work out, the way his belief is, whether he gives some credence to Yahweh at that point. Um, his, it will be his son that, that ultimately sends, uh, allows the, the Israelites to go back. But that, that was just to finish what, what, what you brought up. Well he, he, well, he says very clearly, last scripture, or last two verses, for he is the living God. Daniel's mm-hmm. God yeah. is a living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion has no end. Mm-hmm. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. For he has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. That's a and decree, it's, right? Right. That's, and that's it's a, a very public affirmation. Absolutely. And it's like yeah, he, he is glad. He mm-hmm. is glad mm-hmm. Daniel was saved. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's as if he makes this royal decree as if goodness has won over the jealous people. And, you know, the topic of how to bring a good man down, and it talked about in the lesson about 
weak leaders. Well, I don't think Darius was necessarily a weak leader. He might have been busy, a busy, maybe distracted leader. And that's probably how he got played. Yeah. yeah. As opposed with necessarily being weak. Yeah. He just got played in this one instance, is but, the way I look but, at it. Uh, going back to, uh, to Daniel again, I think you could put him on the order or the caliber of, of, of Joseph when he was number two in Egypt's kingdom. Daniel was equivalent to that because, again, once I said, uh, Babylon had conquered Egypt, Assyria, and numerous other kingdoms. So we're talking about this tremendous, huge, vast empire, and Daniel is number one of three people governing it. He's going to made, be made top of the other two. Right. So the, the, uh, I, I think, he, number one, he's very close to Darius. Darius obviously likes him, like you said, and uh, I don't know where I was going with this next, right. next but, statement, other than uh, what. And was going to and was and was going to promote him even higher. Yes, yeah. Uh, he was already up there. He was going to be promoted higher, and they were just they were just jealous. He didn't he didn't play by their rules, and so they wanted him taken out, and. How, how much, when you have false accusations against you, should you fight or should you just accept and go along? And I think this is a real difference in what we see in Daniel here as opposed with our own reactions. I can tell you this. If someone did that to me, I am fairly certain I would confront them. And whereas to me, it seems like Daniel is content to just accept his fate and let God work on this problem. Like almost as if this problem was above his pay grade and he gave it to God. There's sort of difference in confrontation here, and I hope we get to Steve's statement that he started this this lesson with, and that's simply this fits today's standards. But there, to me, there's a difference in that. Number one, somebody falsely accuses you of one thing. Another thing where they they actually attack you because of your your religion. Okay, falsely accusing, I I, I can see where you want to fight immediately. Absolutely. But sometimes, and, I, and I'm learning, of course, being over a few people, sometimes it's better to wait and cool off a little bit and ask the Lord to show you what to say than to react. But again, it, it, attacking you for doing something you believe is correct is different from being falsely accusing you. And here Daniel's is, is not being falsely accused at all. He's being told, he's being distinguished out and set apart because... They have created of his habits. Mm-hmm. Yes, his yes. good habits to serve the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Right. That is. He, a good you know, he is being told to. And this is an example. He's being told to stop practicing your religion. Yes. In not only no not even in private, not even in public, not not even, stop stop praying in your upstairs room. Yeah. And he was not going to do. He was not going to stop. That's and I think that's 
that's where things run into because I think more and more, um, not you know, no one's getting thrown to the lions, but there's a. I think when we talked about it in in our, my own Bible study class, there's a lot of pressure on Christians. Not you know, you don't you don't necessarily want to be the guy who talks about Jesus at work, but just having a Bible in their cube or office. Yep. Or taking some time out by themselves at lunch just to do a devotional to themselves. Yet they are confronted by someone in authority that says, oh, do not do that here. Though they're not, and, 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 and uh, it's, that, is, that, that is happens out there. Um, it, uh, we've seen it happen on, on you know, in, in public where, where, where business people, entrepreneurs, artists have said, I will not do that because it is against my religion. We've that actually, the, yes. to, to talk about the Colorado yes, case, yes. actually that was the ruling. They, the, the, the bakery won its case because the court said that the, the, the employment committee, the, the regulatory commission that 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 basically fined the cake shop and shut it down did so because that cake shop, well, on the basis of religion, not on the basis of anything else. That's why they're trying to go around. Again. The but that's a, yes, that was a Supreme Court case, was. and it was it was a it was a, a it was that was the ruling. So there was a case in point of this happening where they actually ran somebody out of business because of their religious belief. Right. Um, that's and and so this is where this is where it comes today. Now they of course obviously fought it because they they took it to the Supreme Court. Um, right. And if you're not familiar with that, what what yeah, Steve yeah. and Mike are talking about, because they they are at a higher level <laughs> level of intellect than I am. Let me go ahead now. I'll just break it down for you people that might be down a little bit lower, like like me. Uh, in Colorado, I believe. There was a bakery, and there was a gay couple that wanted them to bake a wedding cake for them. The and put two men on top, of and the put wedding. two men on top of the cake. The bakery refused. Yeah. They sued and tried to put him, and essentially did put him out of business. And he sued to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court ruled. That yes, that, that, that and and that he was targeted because of they, they essentially what him. it came down to is that there were a zillion there were a lot of other bake shops they could have gone they would have done it to, they went to that bake shop knowing that he it would create a, a problem uh -huh. and that was that was what and and uh, and I can't it wasn't it was it was and it was in a, one of the state agencies. That made that ruling. It wasn't. It wasn't actually a court that found the the um, the baker in in violation. It was an actual government, state government agency, one of the, the employment commission or, or or civil rights commission that basically found uh, against the bakery, which then was overturned by the court. So it was not simply a, a, a plaintiff and a defendant. It was an actual case of of of, of law. Right. Um, yeah. And as you said, we're facing this more and more today where we are pressured to accept principles that are not in the Bible. I mean, that's as clear as day. That's why I was so hoping you'd bring this back up. 
uh, Steve, and of course, Bill, you've mm -hmm. talked about it now, and that's simply how far are we going to push with be pushed with the standards, as you mentioned, that we have to recognize uh, same-sex marriages. I mean, are they come to come to the point where they threaten our jobs if we say, "Well, I, I don't agree with that. Right. I don't believe that." Uh, the, certainly, the courts have said now that the U.S. Supreme Court said that you can have same-sex marriages, but that doesn't mean we have to believe it's from the Bible. Right. 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 There's, have, there's a there's the a difference. Point, between, well, that's the say? whole kind of Babylon Babylonian type thing. Principle. If yeah, this yeah. this is the this is the society we're in a secular. We're in a secular country. We're a plurality. We have to go along with laws. And, and I think, you know, whatever, however we feel about gay marriage, it's there. Now, what, what the difference, there's a difference is saying, okay, I will accept the law. I will, as an employer, I will, I will deal with it. As, as an insurer, I'll deal with it. This is the law of the land. Um, I have to recognize a gay marriage that I continue to believe it's not biblical should have no bearing on what, what's going on here. Right. And yet, yes, there is this, there is this pressure if, 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 if and, and we live, we, we're down here in Texas, but if we were doing this in California and we were employed by some employers out there, and just by saying that, I could lose my job. Oh yes, yes, absolutely. Like we could all. I mean, no, that's all of us could. And and and, 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 yeah. and and we have. I mean, that's that's one of the benefits of of being Texan. By God, is a far more respect that's for the individual. Right. Uh, so, but but yes, and and yeah. but you can. There there are examples of this. Of you know, you you. Um, oh, but other examples as well. Um, but here here's here the basic. I mean, uh, that's the beautiful thing about this podcast, and we hope that as you're out there, this is fodder for thought for you because <clears throat> what the secular society is trying to do is they're trying to take what is traditionally good and making it bad and what's be typically bad making it at least acceptable not necessarily making it good okay for example another example the boy scouts they're trying to make the Boy Scouts bad, whereas historically, Boy Scouts have been good as an organization. I, I will disagree because I'm within the Boy Scouts. Okay. I will speak up for the Boy Scouts, okay. and I think what's going on is superb. I think what's going on is making up for a failure of what the Girl Scouts have done. Okay. Um, Let's address what, what we're talking okay, about. But, but right. so, you so, might be reaching out to something else. Okay. Right? Yes. But that, we don't do one time. I just want to. I, I want to just say. Say this is not going to hurt the Boy Scouts. That the, the, I, I, I'm well aware of what the situation is. What right. it's going to. What it's going to do is give girls the the opportunities they're not getting in Girl Scouts, and they're and because that's where this is coming from. There are parents. Who are have both, and they're saying, "My daughter wants to do what my son's doing, and why can't my daughter do what my son's right. doing? My my daughter wants to learn about how cars work. Don't I mean? I, you, I would want. I don't have a daughter, but I wouldn't mind them learning the the self reliance, yeah. the yeah. self esteem that comes from from being able to fix a car, yeah. <laughs> hike, cook a hike." Survive in survive outdoors. Right. Um, cook, 
um, all that stuff. So I, I'm, I don't think, I, I think what, what you're getting is a very distorted picture from the media on what's going on in Boy Scouts. And a lot of traditionalists are also weighing in. But I think on the whole, it's going to be very good. Yeah, Bill, was and, it? And was so that I, was sorry, sorry for the digression. Bring the girls into the Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. I, I was thinking, I immediately thought of the fact when they were trying to push homosexual boys into the Boy Scouts. No, they're not trying to put, I mean, they're, they're, they, they're they can't, under the law, yeah. they cannot discriminate against. Right, exactly. <laughs> but that's right. the law. That's I, not, I, I thought maybe there was something <laughs> right. I was missing. Yes, that's no, why. No. Uh, that's why I asked you, is that what you're referring to or anything uh, no. like that? Uh, yeah, actually, I kind of was, but I was yeah. thinking more about uh, along the line of where Steve went, and okay. uh, Steve proved me wrong. <laughs> hey, once again. No, I don't mean to. Yeah. No, 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 that's what we're here but, about. But, but there's you, a lot of misinformation no about that. And, okay. it's not, it's, and it's being driven, it's not being driven by, by the progressive side. It is being driven by parents who want their daughters to do what their sons are doing. And they see value in the program for their daughters, and 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 that's and that's true. There is. Okay. No, I, I appreciate that, and I appreciate you clarifying that. <laughs> yes. I didn't even know that that was going on. Oh, oh it's, so it's started. It's started. I've got my hair in the sand. You can be a kicker. You can be a girl. You can be in the Cub Scouts and right. Okay. <coughs> um, there is there is a point that the author makes uh, in our in our lesson. And he says the way Daniel succeeded and what happened or when he stood up uh, was that he was in fact disciplined in doing these things. And, and he makes a comment that it's not a question of a positive sin which he will not commit, which is worshiping uh, the, uh, King Darius. It's not a question whether or not he will, uh, he will uh, commit a positive sin, but whether or not he will, uh, he will not, okay, let me read that again. I apologize, on page 19. It is not a question of a positive sin which he will not commit, but is, it is a, uh, obviously a positive duty which he will not omit from what he's been doing. So he's been doing the discipline so long, he's not about to not do it. He never thought of it as being a sin or anything else to not worship Darius, King Darius. He thought of it just, I will not do that. I'm going to follow my religion. I'm going to serve my God because this is a practice I've done and I believe in him. Not to mention the many times God has shown himself to him in the pri previous chapters. Uh, he's, he's revealed dream, dreams to the king and he's, uh, he's been promoted numerous times. And, uh, anyway. But I think, and as we wind down this particular mm -hmm. podcast, there are spiritual faith disciplines that yes. each of us do, and it fulfills your life, and it makes your walk better and more fulfilling for you. And I think that's where Daniel was. And as I get older in life, and I just returned from doing an estate sale with my folks passing, and it's amazing how little stuff actually means. The meaning is you. You put the meaning on stuff. But people and the people that were coming around because my family was there giving their condolences and what was important to them was not the stuff 
of my parents, but it was the relationship that they had with them. And I think in, in a way, that is what God wants with us. And once you experience it, and like Daniel did, that's what he wanted too. He didn't want to disappoint or disregard Darius, but he had his priorities in line. God first. The, the only way really to know God is through these disciplines. Uh, there's, th- this, is the, this is maybe some things that are missed in our time. We, we hear about the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S, uh, the people, the sp- I'm, I'm spiritual but not religious. And every faith has its disciplines. I, I'm, I'm most familiar with, I'm Christian, I'm most familiar with Christian faiths. And I think worship, of course, is, is a discipline. Going to church on Sunday, so I'm not saying that that's not part of it. But there's a lot more to that than, than corporate worship. And like we see with Daniel here, it's, it's routine prayer. It's, it's Bible study. It's, it's fasting. It's, it's, that's, how you, that's how you know God. That's where you meet God. So, so many spiritual people are going, well, what, you know, what's it all about? It isn't, it isn't just about acknowledging that, oh, God might be up there looking out after everything. You can connect. But right. it takes it takes a degree of, of, of work, just like everything. Right. It takes um, it 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 takes prayer. It takes regular. That's interesting. They call it discipline, just like any other exercise regimen. You got it. It's always exercise difficult. that faith it's muscle. It's always difficult to get rolling, but once mm. you start rolling, it becomes easier and easier. Um, it, and you know, you I've heard people people set aside an appointment just like they would. Any other appointment? Here's at at four o'clock in the afternoon. That's when I do a devotional between four four thirty or whatever time of day. That is my time. That is my time for God. Uh, uh, others may be more loose about it, but that's really part of it. That and and to pitch Richard Foster's celebration of discipline, which is the 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 best how-to spiritual book I think you can ever buy or get. It's it's out there. Uh, that really is that really is where you begin to know God. I mean, that's um, you know the question everyone has. Well, how do you how do you really connect with your your God and you know whether he's Jesus or, or whatever? And I said, really, study for all these things that are listed here. But I study, think, prayer, well, meditation, worship, fasting. Well, I think people though they hear so much how to have spiritual discipline, how to acquire this and all the different steps. Very few people focus on a result. Why should I? This is a fine example. Daniel accepts his fate. And I have no doubt when he was walking into the lion's den that he was going to accept no matter what happened to him. That was his faith. He believed whatever was going to happen was going to happen, and it was God's will based on that. That is the result. Being able to face 
that difficulty, that challenge with absolute certainty. I have done, I have been faithful in my discipline. I am ready to accept it as opposed with someone all of a sudden feverishly. I'm going to the lion's den. God, if you're up there, <laughs> if, do you remember me? <laughs> you may not. Uh, you know, I'm about 5'11". <laughs> you know, I know you haven't heard from me in a while. I really need your help. Daniel, however, was faithful, and he accepted it. And regardless of what was going to happen, I think he absolutely knew it was going to be God's will, regardless. You said something, I think, that's the key to all of this. Folks, you can be disciplined in something, but I think bigger than life, your heart has to be focused on it. Especially oh, I would agree. Daniel, right? This is I would what agree. Bill is telling us, folks. You can you can read the Bible every night, and you can and you can pray and fast, which the Pharisees did. Jesus dealt with them all the time, but their heart was not to serve their Lord, the Lord God. Their heart was to show off in front of people. It's not just a story. Yes. Some people just read it as a story. Isn't this nice? Isn't this a nice little story? Yeah. They don't take it. They don't let it affect them. And by letting it affect you, it affects your heart, it affects your mind, and then ultimately your hands and your feet. And that's what it is. And I think that's what happened to Daniel. So, And with that, I'm going to go around uh, the room one final time, get a summary from each of the fellas. And uh, Mr. Steve. Well, just want to say... Didn't mean to. Didn't mean to go, go come at you with the Boy Scouts so hard, but oh man, it is, go ahead. It is hard, but, but, and, and your, your general, but your general point, right. your general point that yeah, we're our, the secularization. You know everything. You know everything bad is good. Everything's bad is okay. There, there are no rules. Uh, uh, that's um, that's really not true. There are, and sometimes people find that out too late in life, but. Um, so yes, and you know there is there is a way to live, and uh, it's uh, often it's often kind of under under a little maybe we are all exiles currently um, in one way or another. Um, uh, the great thing about the the exile it really did bring the Israelites back together and back to God. They yes. were they were um, they weren't exactly slaves, but in, in but they were a minority. They were uh, they were subject to a, you know discrimination and bad treatment, even in spite of the things Daniel did. We read the Esther every now and then. Somebody would decide, let's kill a bunch of those Judeans. Um, so uh, it, I, I think that's how it's an interesting how that how that nation of Israel ended up surviving. They ended up being removed from their own autonomy, from their own thing. And that's where they found their identity again. Judge. Yes, folks, we've been reading the story about Daniel, and and Bill and I and and Steve have mentioned the disciplines that Daniel did. Uh, 
And, and, and I want to emphasize again that it's important that your heart is right when you do these spiritual disciplines. Steve was looking at a box here with several disciplines listed in it. Now, folks, if, if you are a pretty new Christian and you are seeking for uh, what you should do to further your walk in the Lord, uh, I'm going to ask Steve to read the box that he was looking at there. And, and, and it, it's suggestions mm-hmm. for you to, to grow in faith and walk closer to the Lord. And again, I want to emphasize it starts with your heart, and then these disciplines are suggested disciplines. Uh, I'm, and I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I'm just going to go through. These, these are, it looks like they were derived heavily from Richard Foster. I would recommend looking at Celebration of Discipline, uh, an excellent book about honing spiritual disciplines. But the ones the author lists here Bible study, uh, uh, devotional reading, fasting. Deny, you know, when you fast, you begin to see, you know, what your drives are. Um, communion, taking communion, uh, taking the Eucharist or uh, or the Lord's Supper. Uh-huh. Uh, meditation, uh, not just reading and studying, but uh, thinking. And um, and yes. where, as Bebel was saying a moment ago, how does this how does this story or verse? apply to me right now, what is God trying to tell me through it? Right. Uh, and it, you know, different points, different scripture means different things at different parts of your life. Rest, um, God rested on the seventh day, rest is important, and with that he has the Sabbath, the setting aside of time to be with God for rest. We are not, we, we, are, we are built for work, but we are not built for 24-7 work. Uh, stewardship uh, to, to you know plant a garden for goodness sake is it, uh, uh, worship you know stewardship you know don't don't lose touch with God's creation I guess to go back to that worship of course we talked about prayer of course these are the last thing on the list I think it's the first of of, of Foster's but yes prayer uh, Paul said pray ceaselessly pray, pray ceaselessly uh, I like is it Nehemiah who shoots his little arrow prayers every you know every as he's build, rebuilding the temple God help me here help me there thank you Steve. thank you That's <clears throat> and thank you so much uh, this is man up man up podcast number 75 and one final thought that I have uh, this is kind of convicting to me because I am one of those people and you may be too out there if somebody wrongs you I'm a little more confrontational with that person and you know that's why I need to continue with my spiritual development and my walk of faith because it is not about me and I hope that you by listening to this podcast understand a couple of things that we've talked about at a regular time over and over this is a spiritual oasis for men we hope that you get recharged we hope that you are on a spiritual journey and we hope that you continue to exercise those spiritual disciplines because if you do I guarantee your faith, and your life will just be better. And that's what it's all about. This is Man Up. Man Up Podcast number 75. We encourage each and every one of you to get involved in a Bible-based church. Get involved in an adult Bible fellowship. 
commonly known as a Sunday school, and find a men-only fellowship. And if there is one, start one. This is Man Up. You've been listening to Man Up. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Dedicated to the uncommon man, created by equally uncommon men. If I were the man I was five years ago, I'd take a flame through into this place. You can contact us on Facebook under Man-Up. Post questions and we'll answer them right here on the Man Up Podcast.